Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of the Open to Wonder podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Karen. When you think about faith practices, activities like praying, worship, and reading the Bible might come to mind. But did you know that listening, celebrating, and wonder are also faith practices and that there are dozens more? When repeated regularly, faith practices help us grow in our love for God and our neighbors. They help us become more like Jesus, and they even help us become more attentive to the Holy Spirit. And faith practices, they're for ordinary people of all ages, no matter where they are on their faith journey. We're so excited to share with you the conversations we've had with this season's guests. You'll hear stories of their faith practices and struggles, along with their ideas for a small step you can take to weave faith practices into your daily life. So pull up a seat and wonder with us. Open to Wonder, the Faith Practices Edition starts now. Colin Watson believes that God can use anything and anybody. During our conversation with Colin, we discovered how God has been using him as a friend who gives a leg up to those who've been knocked down. As a business executive who once held a prayer meeting in the company auditorium. As the current executive director of the Christian Reformed Church in North America, a role which includes overseeing and integrating all the agencies and ministries of the denomination worldwide. We also learned which Bible verse served as a light bulb moment for him, who shaped his faith journey, and the faith practices he thinks the church needs to be paying attention to at this time. All that, in the name of the gospel singer Colin listens to like he's at a rock concert, is coming up next. Colin, we are so excited to have you in the conversation today. Just the the first question that we're wondering if you could respond to is, if you were to name one or two people who helped shape your faith journey, who would they be and how did they impact you? Chris, thanks for the question and appreciate being with with you this afternoon. Um, I would say that in my earliest uh, recollection of uh, individuals who uh, helped shape me uh, would, in, would, of course, include my dad. I remember my father um, reciting uh, the 23rd Psalm, and um, I don't know exactly when I learned it, but it became part of the air that we breathed in the house. And um, it was always, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, that, that God is always with me. And uh, I also recall, uh, I was about 10 years old and had just been uh, confirmed as a part of the uh, Anglican Church, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really understand what all of that meant uh, until I went to a revival uh, and heard a call to the gospel uh, from someone called Tom Skinner. Now, Tom Skinner, um, you might recall that name uh, going back uh, a long time ago, uh, was a former gang member in, uh, in New York City, 
that God uh, called to himself, and he had a radical conversion, uh, and he became an itinerant preacher. As a matter of fact, he went around the world uh, preaching uh, and, uh, and, and, and teaching the word. And I was actually in Guyana at the time. It was British Guyana at the time. This was 1962. I was 10 years old. Tom Skinner was 20. Uh, and I heard the word of God clearly in a movie theater in Guyana. And um, I, I will never forget uh, that experience. So even though I grew up Anglican, I heard the gospel loud as day uh, from Tom. Uh, and today I reflect back on that experience and realize that, you know, you're never too young uh, to hear or do the word. Um, it doesn't matter how you start. Because in Tom's case, uh, he, his life could have gone horribly wrong very early. Uh, and, um, you know, this, this call to, uh, to preach, this call to let others know uh, who you are uh, and what God has done in your life is uh, something that's real for all of us, right? Regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of culture, regardless of geography, uh, all of that is uh, uh, is is important, and God can use anything and anybody, and uh, so that that really uh, um, are some early memories there. There there are so many others uh, later on in life, but uh, but let me just start there. Colin, you just mentioned you know that that you lived in Guyana, Guyana, yeah. Guyana mm-hmm. yeah, and and you've talked before about the fact that you um, so you were born in a small town there and that you immigrated to the U.S. at the age of 18. And so we're wondering about that. How has your experience as an immigrant hmm. impacted the formation of your faith? Uh, another excellent question. Thank you for that, Karen. You know, I got here at the age of 18, uh, and I mentioned that I came to faith I was about 10 years old, but I wish I could tell you that I was faithful all the way through, all the way through college, right? Because that certainly wasn't the case. I mean, I was sidetracked by many, many things. Uh, And uh, at age 18, when I came to the United States, it was basically just to go to university, right? To go to college. Uh, At the time, there were no universities in Guyana. Um, At least none, none, there was one, but none offering uh, the major I was interested in. Uh, And so when I got here, I had a very um, uh, different perspective on uh, on what what America was all about, right? I mean, I came here thinking I was just interested in the American dream, Mm -hmm. Uh, but God had other ideas. Uh, I came here and what I experienced, frankly, uh, was the duality of America. Uh, I saw two Americas. Mm. Uh, I I moved here. um, I lived in the South Bronx for a while before going to school upstate New York uh, and was immediately faced with uh, some contradictions. Mm. Um, One immediate contradiction, as I recall, I was on the college campus in Schenectady, New York, and I was looking for an apartment. This was I'd been here for a little little while, was looking for an apartment off off campus. Uh, And uh, I got into a conversation with uh, the landlady and who said, oh, certainly I have, a, I have a, a, an apartment available. And, um, you know, uh, we agreed on the price and a time for me to come over and take a look at it. And I said, certainly I'll be over. And it was that afternoon. So I said, I'll be, I'll see you in a few hours. So I got there, uh, rang the bell. Uh, she peeked out and said, can I help you? I said, yes, I'm Colin Watson. I called about the apartment. And she, she paused and she said, it's not available. Mm. 
Mm. Um, so uh, I remember that incident and others like it. And there were yeah. those questions that I started asking myself, what yeah. is it uh, that I am experiencing here? Um, after graduation, I moved to uh, uh, to New Jersey, and that's a whole nother story and how that that took place. But um, but I moved. Uh, I ended up living in Patterson, New Jersey, and uh, to that I would attribute uh, the other aspect of um, life in the United States for people who look like me. I got there because I was redlined into the district. Um, but um, but by God's grace, uh, that allowed me to see and befriend lots of folks um, uh, in the cities that I otherwise would not have met. Um, that experience allowed me to be a part of Madison Avenue Christian Reformed Church, which otherwise I probably would not have been. Um, and uh, so by being placed in that church, uh, I was able to uh, not only, as I said, gain some friendships there, but really experience, I think, what has become uh, God's call in my life, right? Um, it's a call to uh, not only be present, but it's a call to try to make a difference uh, in, in everything that I see around me. And of course, my wife, uh, Frida, has been an integral part of all of that learning and experience and, uh, and so forth. So and, it's and been we a journey. Just, we should just mention, how long have you and Frida been married? I've, it's like, uh, 43 years. So a significant, <laughs> a significant uh, partner in that. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah she's, awesome. we've been together for a long time. That's uh, great. Thank yeah. you. What, one of the, um, you know, you, you mentioned that you came here for, in some sense, to chase the American dream. And in some sense, um, you, you realize that in terms of leadership in the business world, you've also been successful in leadership in, um, denominational ministry now. Um, you have a deep love for the local church. Um, you're committed to justice ministries and the unity of God's people um, shows up on the boards you serve on, things like that. Um, I'm wondering, in, in all those places, um, there's a sense of, of a, a deep sense of God's presence and calling, whether you're in the business world or the church world or kind of wherever, there, there's still a sense of God's calling. In all of that, what are the faith practices that have been important for you as a leader uh, as you engage in just a, a wide range of, of um, different leadership opportunities and contexts? Yeah. Um, you know, I often reflect on the fact that my learning about God, learning about faith, learning about who Jesus is, really began uh, after I joined uh, Madison Avenue Christian Reformed Church, right? It was there. Uh, yes, I'd known um, the Bible and, and I'd read um, not all, but, but significant parts of uh, mostly the New Testament, Mm -hmm. uh, but it really wasn't until I got to Madison Avenue that that my real love of of wanting to know God in a deeper way and reading the entire Bible and so forth became became important. I, I still remember my first um, Bible study was the Book of Romans, and in particular Romans eight uh, sticks out in my mind. Uh, I remember it was so multi layered uh, what I was seeing about who God was um, and. 
Uh, I mentioned a couple of things that I'd already gone through in terms of um, why is the world like this kinds of questions. Uh, and then I got to Romans 8.28, and it says, in all things, God works for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And that, when I read that verse and we studied that verse, it was like a light bulb going off. It's like, uh, it doesn't matter what you go through. God is able to use all of that. And the question for me is, okay, God, what is it? I know I just went through this really bad thing that I would rather have not have gone through, but the Bible says you're able to use that for your purpose. So what is it? <laughs> and just keep searching for those kinds of questions. Uh, it, it, it has done an awful lot, um, I, I believe, for my temperament, because I keep looking for, well, what is, what is that? What, what can I learn from that? Um, of course, Romans 8.28 goes on uh, a couple of verses later and talks about you're more than conquerors and all those wonderful things, right? So I hang on to that promise as well. Um, so, so what I would say in terms of, of, of faith practices, really it's, it's Bible study and, and understanding God's word and understanding God's will for me, right? Um, and understanding that um, even what we do here is, is uh, just a small piece of what God's plan is in eternity. Um, and I landed in Madison Avenue, uh, CRC, and, and the great... Uh, focus of that ministry uh, was on service, right? God has planted the church here in this community for a purpose. Um, when all of the, uh, the, the the flight to the suburbs was going on, the church said, nope, we're going to stay right here in this community for a purpose and engage. Um, and so there was a, a real ethic of service. Um, and quite quickly, uh, it both Fried and I were asked to, to play leadership roles even from the early 80s in, in those times. So I would say three words in terms of uh, uh, ov overall, I would say pray, serve, and lead. Um, the Bible says if your gift is leading, then by all means, do it diligently. So we, we try to do that. I, I love how you're weaving, um, weaving together things that are not just focused on how do I keep myself okay but even as you were talking it had that service element that going out how do i be attentive to god at work in the world beyond me mm. uh, that starts showing up in in how you're even describing leadership or how you're describing what you were learning it was as you were serving yeah yeah i mean i and i even think of um as i said i spent uh, almost 30 years in the business world um, really as uh, just just fulfilling, I think, what um, the, the, the passions that God gave me in, in terms of my, my, my background. I wanted to be a statistician. He allowed me to be that. Um, but even in the midst of that, there, there kept being opportunities for uh, demonstrating God's presence, right? I still remember there was a particular... Uh, uh, difficult time in in business. Uh, there was uh, our our company was merging with another, and there were lots of um, uh, senior leadership uh, strife uh, going on. Um, and I remember saying to the CEO that you know what we really need to do is we we need to pray about this. We've done all that we can. We should really pray about this, and and maybe we should we should call anyone who wants to join to prayer. And he looked at me and said, you know what? Why, yeah, why don't you do that? 
Now, I don't know if he thought I was going to say, you know, just pray quietly or whatever, but I actually called a prayer meeting in the auditorium of the building. <laughs> and 50 people showed up, <laughs> including a few, a few vice presidents. So we actually had a prayer session. And uh, so that was pretty good. But interestingly enough, uh, the, what, the thing that people feared was going to happen, there was, again, as I mentioned, there were folks uh, battling to be, uh, to be the leader of the business. Uh, a few days later, something happened, uh, and the individual that they didn't want to lead actually became the leader. And someone came to me and said, you know, I guess you know, we prayed, but I guess that didn't work. But I remember my response to that was saying, well, maybe, maybe we just need to wait a little while longer. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, God shows up, showed up in a mighty way a few months later. So, um, you know, God is able to 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 to, uh, to show up in ways that we really don't expect, and in, in locales that we don't anticipate Him being. That's a really powerful illustration of Romans eight. Um, <laughs> thanks, Colin. You you so you mentioned a moment ago service. Yeah. And in the same breath as, as leadership. And so one of the faith practices that we explore in the faith practices project is service. And we describe it this way. We describe service as responding to God's love by learning to live like Jesus, as we serve others through specific tangible actions that contribute to their dignity and their well-being. And it feels to Chris and I and others who know you like the faith practice of service has been really just woven into your leadership and into your life. And so we're wondering, what have you learned about God and faith through serving others? You know, I used to think that um, as I participate in the American dream and climb that corporate ladder, so to speak. By the way, they're, they're the metaphor that I often used, and I'm, this is not original to me, but we were talking about the la climbing the corporate ladder, and uh, um, someone said to me, yep, you climbed it, and you got all the way to the top, and then you looked at, you looked at the wall and you said, wait, I'm leaning against the wrong wall. <laughs> so <laughs> so we, need, we need to shift the ladder to the other side. Um, but that, that's kind of an apt metaphor. But what I, what I find is it's not just the individuals who you think are going to be good for you that are good for you. Mm. So, for example... You know, we we had this thing in in business that talked about making sure that your network included included influential people and all of that. Um, but what I have found is I have learned the most from people who are most unlike me. Mm. Um, and I still remember um, uh, both Fried and I were involved in this thing in the in the 80s in Patterson uh, called Jubilee Employment Service. Um, back then, uh, in the in the uh, inner city, we had um, well, unfortunately, it's a lot like what's going on today. Yeah, we had a fair amount of unemployment. We had some uh, um, drug abuse issues. We had high incarceration, those kinds of things, and and folks coming out of addiction uh, or or incarceration obviously had very difficult times finding jobs. So. John Algara, who's our pastor at the time, and um, Fred and I and a few others uh, 
arranged this um, ministry called Jubilee Employment, where we would actually work with employers who were willing to uh, hire folks who had um, not so great records, Mm -hmm. but after having been vetted by us as a church. And so uh, we actually had a um, had a deal where uh, individuals would come in. Uh, they would be interviewed by my wife, who turned out to be the first director for Jubilee. Um, we would train them in how to do interviews and so forth. And of course, uh, kind of uh, lots of self-esteem kinds of conversations and and um, uh, getting them to rely on the Holy Spirit and not so much so much on. Uh, on themselves and so forth. Um, But what I remember from that is I used to have a fear of dealing with individuals who um, might've come through the, um, uh, the, the, the penal system. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And as it turns out by going through Jubilee and other things like that, um, some of those guys turned out to be some of my best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and as I said, learned, uh, learned a lot about life, um, life from them. Um, you know, uh, so many times folks get knocked down, but I see uh, lots of evidence of uh, God working in, in, in individuals and, um, and giving them a leg up on um, what ordinarily would, uh, would have just devastated them. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, one guy, and again, you've heard this, metaphor and um, um it says it's it's when you hit bottom and you're lying and lying in your back at the at the bottom of a ditch that you have to look up and see what god is able to do <laughs> um but um but yeah but i've i've seen a, enough of those stories to make me realize that um there are no throwaway people right yeah. we we all need each other and we can learn an awful lot from each other I mean, something that strikes me about what you just said about how you you've over the years learned the most from the people who are the most unlike you. And and I think sometimes when we serve others, we tend there's a danger that we do it with this sense of, well, they will be learning from me through Mm -hmm. my act of service to them. And and I love that you have flipped that. Um, It sounds like through serving, Mm -hmm. you also learned and grew. In yeah, your faith. I, I I did start with that mindset that I'm just gonna go help folks. Yeah, sure. And I'm gonna go teach them everything they need to do yeah. so that they can be just like me. Well, yeah. uh, God had other ideas. Yeah, you know, we're we're all different, and um, you know, and and you you find God's grace in the most unusual places. Yeah, yeah. that's so helpful. Yeah. Colin, your um, leadership role with the CRC in North America and on some of the other places that you've um, you've served, uh, whether on a board or some other capacities, you you get a, a a a pretty unique view of the church in North America, and you're able to see kind of the diversity that's there, the contextualization that happens. Um, if you were to kind of sift through the stuff you've seen, what practice or practices do you think the church really needs to pay attention to at this time? Great question. Um, You know, I think a lot of the time we take ourselves a little bit too seriously and we think we have the answers and we think that, um, you know, God has come down um, you know, has, has given us the answer in God's book, and he has. That's true. Um, but the fact that um, 
that there are others who worship differently or look differently or might have a slightly different nuanced view of things um, doesn't mean that they are less far from God than you are, <laughs> right? Um, you know, so we, I think, need a little bit of a uh, little bit of humility uh, in the way we approach individuals. You know, what if as we approached anyone, even if we're evangelizing or we're sharing the gospel, what if what if we had a heart that said, um, yes, I want to share with you what God has shown me and what he's done in my life. And then I also want to listen to you and hear what God has done in your life. Um, now that person may or may not even, um, you know, be, be a church, a regular church attender. Yeah. But um, I think if you talk to enough of those folks, you will hear some very um, uh, humbling stories uh, that would be, uh, that, that I think can be, uh, can be mutually, mutually beneficial. Um, and, and I think we also need as, as a church, Let's understand everyone's story, right? Because uh, when we get to church on Sunday morning, and we yes, we worship together, and we do, and we are, and we are in the present, and we talk about the future together. Um, but I think that there is a lot of learning that we can have by by reflecting on the past, right? Um, you know the the story of the Sankofa bird, right? <laughs> that is uh, that kind of look is looking to the past as it moves towards the future. Um, I think sometimes we have a tendency to uh, to discount the past um, because um, I, I like to listen, li like to reflect on well, what has God done in the past for me in my life, and that gives me strength for the future, right? Um, and I think we need to do the same thing even as we listen to each other. Now, this gets to be a little uh, interesting when we talk about our, um, our, our histories, because in my history, I can talk about pain in my life, right? Um, and it may sound as if, uh, well, others may take it, uh, take it badly, you're complaining about me. Well, no, I'm telling you what God has done in spite of you, right? Um, so, so let's just take it as a God story. And if we keep telling each other God stories and stop looking at each other and looking for, at each other's faults, I think we're going to be better off, right? And let's stop taking, again, stop taking ourselves so, so personally. Um, when we talk about, you know, what God has done, uh, through my ancestors who were slaves, right? That doesn't mean that you have to take it as a put down, okay? I'm sure you can talk about what God has done in your ancestors, right? Um, to, uh, to, bring, to bring you to, uh, uh, to, a, to a closer knowledge of him. Um, so I would say uh, some things I've learned, I would say sometimes we have to repent, not rationalize. Right. Um, we've we've got to we've got to engage, not try to escape. Um, we've got to communicate. And don't condemn. You know, we 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 have so much to give to each other um, that it's so easy to. But it's but it, but we have a we have a culture that says you know we just want to be me myself. 
uh, and I and my family and uh, everyone everyone else comes second. But what if we flipped that and said, you know, um, Jesus was right in what he said, that the most important thing is to love God and the second thing is to love your neighbor. And so let's start there. Um, and one of the things I found is by doing that, it doesn't diminish me. <laughs> it doesn't diminish anything I do. Um, you know, it it always is a it it always is a is a uh, is is a blessing as we uh, as we live into that reality. Now, I wish I could tell you I do it perfectly. I don't, <laughs> right? Uh, I can have selfish thoughts just like the rest of rest of everybody else, but uh, but that's the reality I try to live in. Colin, I needed to hear that today, and I'm I'm sure there are others listening to this who needed to hear that too. So thank you for that. Um, one, one thing we're doing in this series on faith practices as a way to end each conversation is we're asking our, our guests if if you could leave listeners with one small step, one place that they could begin to become more intentional in their faith formation. Yeah. What might that be? I would say, you know, don't be afraid to engage with each other. Um, find a person, people um, who may be different from you, uh, and just find ways to, to begin conversations. Now, it might even be you don't know what to talk about, Um well, are there some are there some areas of connection uh, that you can uh, that you can share? Um, one one thing that 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 I like to do, and sometimes um, you know, church friends or wherever, just invite them also into that space. Is I love listening to gospel music, mm. right? And uh, you know, the the and and mostly mostly the contemporary folks. Um, I can go crazy like I'm at a rock concert when <laughs> if 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 I'm in a room and Jonathan McReynolds is, is is there singing right. I mean that's like that's that's better than a better than a basketball game, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, but that's the kind you know. So w- what if you were to invite people into that kind of space? Um, you know, just come on, let's let's have a cup of coffee, let's talk about stuff. But um, when the when when things get a little quiet, maybe you put on some music and let's talk about that, right? You know, what does that mean to you? Um, you know, um, when when Brian Courtney Wilson sings songs like you know God is doing a great work, you know, um, I mean that that's some powerful stuff, and it's. It's as catchy as any R and B. I love R and B too, but <laughs> but this mm-hmm. stuff is 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 really um, re- really uh, really gets to me. Um, so yeah, just find ways to engage, and you know, and maybe it is going to a game or whatever. But but beyond that, just um, just just living life together and and engaging with each other is yeah. uh, is is helpful. I I feel like after that we should have like Colin's Spotify list. <laughs> Like linked in our show notes because I want to check these people out. Awesome. I could give I could give you a list. Yeah, I think we should include that, Chris. Right? <laughs> I'm there. I'm down for that. Um, thank you, thank you so much for spending this time with Chris and I for sharing. I feel like there we have just scratched the surface of the stories that you could share with us and your experiences and. Um, yeah, thank you for showing us um, just the way that you that you've lived and the way that you've 
inhale those experiences in your life and let them shape and form your faith or let God use them to shape and form your faith, I think is a real encouragement um, to all of us listening. So thank you. Well, you know, in my old age, I'm still a work in progress, but uh, but that's the beauty of all of this, right? Is we we continue to be a work in progress as, yeah. as we allow God to work in our work in our lives. So, yeah. but yeah, thank you for this opportunity. It's been good. Thank you. Yeah. Before we go, Karen and I want to let you in on what happened when we stopped recording. After the interview ended, Colin faith practiced what he'd just preached as he stayed online to talk with us about a common area of interest, our mutual love for music. For almost half an hour, the three of us sat and listened to the gospel music of Brian Courtney Wilson and Jonathan McReynolds. What a gift. Karen and I left feeling blessed, encouraged, and filled with hope. We hope you will too. So we've put the songs from Colin's playlist in the show notes. If you're interested in learning more about faith practices in general and how they can help you grow in love for God and your neighbors, be sure to check out the Faith Practices Project at crcna.org backslash faith practices project. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at CRC Faith Formation on Twitter at CRC underscore FFM or by email at faithformation at crcna.org. Thanks for listening.